everyone. Welcome to Humans or Monsters, a podcast about complaining. I'm Erin Elliott. And I'm Lindsay Porter. And with us today, we have the <laughs> lovely and delightful Daphne Beckett. Um, hi, Daphne. Hi, hi Daphne. Um, hi, thanks for having me on. Daphne <laughs> is a mom of four, correct? That's correct. How old are your four? Uh, so 15, 13, and then five and five. So we have twins that are five. So um, I'm sure that's not crazy at all. Oh, no. I'm sure it's just... <laughs> Every day is a walk in the park. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, no. So Daphne, I know you live in the Chicago suburbs in a very fancy suburb. Um, and that you are originally from Ireland. That's right. Yep. You are a, a very funny mom who started doing stand up about the time that everything shut down. Is that correct? Pretty much. Yeah. I think I had my first stand up experience in December. And then I think I did one more thing, uh, just like an open mic. And then the world came to a crashing halt. So it was pretty short, but I live on the memory. It's carrying me forward. <laughs> Three <laughs> moments of freedom. And, and I should say, I always have to qualify that although we do live in this fabulously affluent suburb, we are such the interlopers who do not belong. You know, we lowered the uh, average income of the neighborhood as soon as we moved in. <laughs> what, so. Which suburb? Which suburb, we, suburb are you in? Oh, we live in a North Shore suburb. It's called Lenko, and it's absolutely magnificent in every way. And um, it's wonderful. And we just are not of the same, you know, uh, income bracket as most people. So it's, it's interesting. It's always a, an adventure, you know. Well, so. I know you have one of your children, Tiernan, was in a play with my son, CJ. Yeah. And that um, he has a lot of friends. I know that. And that yeah. he's very... Um, He's a very outgoing and friendly guy. So hopefully he can teach them what it's like when your mother doesn't drive a Tesla and <laughs> that we can you still know, survive if you share a bedroom or a bathroom with somebody else. It's so funny because my five-year-olds are constantly like, why can't we have a Tesla? And why don't we have stairs? And where's the rest of our house? You know, and it's just, you know, what's, what the standard of normal is, is so crazy. But I mean, we, we're grateful to be here. I, my husband and I are both immigrants. So we completely washed up on shore accidentally in Glencoe with no idea what we were doing. And it's been, I mean, who could be more blessed? Like, great. Thank you. Um, let's just see what we can do here. So it's been really good. And I, and I also would love to point out that your husband is not from Ireland. He's from no, a he's not. completely different part of the world. He's from Iran. He is. But I was just going down from Ireland and I went down Iran, Iraq, and I stopped, you know, Italy. But yeah, I, I have to say, I was thinking about when I listened to your podcast last, last night, I listened to a couple and I was thinking, oh, I'd love to have a podcast from people with from different cultures, and how they make a family, and all the bitching and moaning that goes on with that. So. Oh, well, that's, <laughs> that's something we can talk about. Do you yeah, absolutely and your husband have particular cultural <laughs> things? Uh -huh. House. I could feel, I could seriously, I could tell you so many things. Like, for example, I was born in 1969 and my husband was born in 1349. So that's problem number one. 
like, it's not which way do you hang the toilet paper. It's like, do you use toilet paper? So there's so many. So I have many. a feeling a lot of people from Iran are going to be pretty pissed off at you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, they, they, I think they're, they're probably like, exactly. Why are you not, why are you using toilet paper? This is awful, you know, so. Uh, you know, in Iran, everybody washes completely, like takes a shower, basically, after they go to the bathroom. So wow. they but think your paper is unhygienic. Um, you know, we always, if you go into an Iranian house, you'll usually find a little watering can by the toilet, mm -hmm. like a very sort of discreet little watering can. And that's how people take care of it. You know, that's... They, wa they wash, they wash themselves, yeah. which is very hygienic. So anyway. Well, we had another episode where Erin mentioned that she likes to take several showers a day. So Erin, you might be at home in Iran. I know. Maybe that's uh, where I can uh, skitter off to here when I'm uh, almost through with, with the U.S. of A. There might be a few things. Would be probably I don't know. Are you upgrading to Iran? Really? That's your plan? Not sure. I'll, let, I'll let Maya know. Yeah. Actually, you mentioned something in one of your podcasts about keeping your pajamas under your pillow I was like of course hello and nobody right to, nobody else seemed to get that but that's where pajamas go in you know sane uh, households not in my house I, but, yeah. I think so too I had a conversation with Maya after that episode and I was like can you believe that nobody else does that she's like oh my gosh I've done it all my life I was like yeah it seems normal it is I think it's normal I think there's entire nations putting their pajamas under their pillow. You should do a survey on that. Was, is that a, was that a thing in Ireland growing up? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, people, you made your bed, you put your pajamas under the pillow. If you, I mean, and this, this is not a poor me story, but if you had pajamas, you put them under your pillow. So <laughs> Angela's ashes and all that, but yeah. It's right. It's <laughs> um, is there anything else that in your household that you and your husband, um, bicker about that seems pure, very culturally based that you can think of? Yeah, I mean, we're very, we're, you know, we bonded on the copious amounts of tea that are drunk in both cultures. And, you know, in Iran, they drink tea in little delicate glass cups. And in Ireland, they, do, they drink them in giant flower pots, you know, like a pint <laughs> of tea. Um, that seems right. So, that tracks, I think. <laughs> yeah, well, we've kind of, it's so funny because his sisters were here recently and they were all drinking milk in their tea i was like wait a second is that from us is that from the irish part of, of, of the family influencing my husband's sisters and it was they were all having tea with milk so i felt really chuffed that we won that battle but uh <laughs> yeah i mean it's are we gonna are the kids gonna eat rice or potatoes they're all you know the younger two are rice eaters they have betrayed me at the core you know and they they speak to me, sometimes they talk to their dad, they say Persian words, and then they turn, like they say seep is apple, and they turn out and go, that's apple, mommy. Like, you know, I, I couldn't possibly keep up with the conversation. So, I mean, there's so many things. I, I would, I definitely think if you talk to any multicultural families, you're probably gonna have a myriad of experiences that just, oh, the other thing is the Persian rugs. Oh my God save me from Persian rugs. I loathe them. I know that's a crime against humanity to speak those words out loud. But if I go into a room and there's a Persian rug, it's all I can see. You know, it's screaming at me. <laughs> <laughs> what? Rug, you know? and it, what it just, is it about it? 
it's so there's so much going on they're so busy you know like they're 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 so full of themselves like look over here no look over here like it's just insanity it's like a myriad of color and I kind of hear color so to me it's like I'm going into a room and they're screaming people you know and we've had we've had this argument I mean we've been married for 16 years I think this is the first year that there's no Persian rugs anywhere I think my husband might have one in his office just kind of snuck under the table but it was just like it's so much it's just so much energy for me to be around a Persian rug I know that sounds really weird is there anything like is there anything particularly Irish that you have on your floors that would scream like oh this is an Irish (laughs) floors are kind of dirty (laughs) very crusty you know well the other thing is in Iran you take off your shoes when you come into the home right so Mm -hmm. to wear your shoes in the house would be like if someone walked across your bed in their boots or something, it's that offensive, you know, it's just like every fiber in any Iranian's being just screams if shoes come into their house. So, you know, and in Ireland, it's like you, you might, might knock the mud off before you came in. You know what I mean? Like, it's just the, the <laughs> difference about what's the floor is part of the house in a way that it's just not in Ireland, you know, I'm it's getting, like, I'm yeah. Iran might be the place for us. Like for you that. and Maya? Yeah. <laughs> as long as you're just f- friends and not. Yeah, I know. Right. That could, yeah, that might be trouble. That could be trouble. You could adopt Iranian culture. I mean, Iranian culture is, predates the current, you know, political climate by thousands of years. It's a magnificent, beautiful, poetic history that is just this current regime is just a blip on the end so the whole like um courteous shrivel chival i can never say the word but chivalry mm-hmm. you know that that idea of uh gentleness openness welcoming guests that kind the, the sort of persian sensibility is so incredibly beautiful and absolutely incredible to experience you know so um, you may respond really well to that, but I, I don't know about moving to Iran over that. You could just maybe hang out with more Iranians, you know? All right. I guess we won't. Maybe that's yeah. a start, right? Well, and the other thing I noticed is when Iranian men greet each other, they kiss each other on the cheeks, you know, and they're so warm that's and nice. open. Oh, and Irish men greet each other. They kind of don't look at each other and they slap each other on the backs, you know? It's just so <laughs> different, like very different ways of being so when my family met Hadi, they were inc- just incredulous at his warmth because they really hadn't experienced that before. So it's been powerful. That's really fascinating. And I'm curious to see how your kids, I mean, for them, that's, this is just their family. It's not it's how they've always grown up. Right. Um, so we'll have some questions for them when they join us. Um, so I must ask you, during especially during this pandemic, what is driving you crazy about your teens? (sighs) Okay. My sister has a theory that the reason teenagers are such a pain in the arse is so that we can let them go, you know, because when they're little, you can't imagine they'll ever leave your life. You adore them. But by going through the teenage years, you're just like, I'm done. Goodbye. And, uh, you know, her two 
adult male children are still living in her home. So I don't know about that because one of them is actually building a house <laughs> in her backyard. So she's moving to Spain to get away. So I don't know <laughs> that that's a convoluted period hasn't all fully worked out. But I do feel like part of the gift of being the mother of a teen is it's like you're watching this person who you adore do things that are just not maybe in their best interests and you so want to help them to see the wisdom of your guidance and they just <laughs> don't give a rat's ass you know Tiernan has said to me like I'm so sick of you trying to open my horizons when I don't want them to be opened <laughs> something, something along those lines you strange know? complaint yeah it's it's I mean I'm just like you know if you go to school, it will be good. <laughs> you know, you'll have more choices. <laughs> and the pandemic sucked for school. And I might, you know, in the end, I actually ended up saying to one of my children, you know what, fuck school, because it was so torturous <laughs> for him. I never thought I would say those words. But I really was at that point for for him, it was just not good. It wasn't, it wasn't working, the pandemic sucked. And it was better he not even keep torturing himself with this. But I mean, I think it's just the general, like everything, you know, it's like what it, I, it was like the pandemic was my fault, you know, like I had engineered it to impede their social life. I think there was some words like, I don't care if you die, I'm still going to go out, you know, it's just that kind of like, it's just the teenage brain and you're trying to say, please think about the whole family and the whole future. And they're saying, I don't care. I only want what I want right now, you know? And I have to say my, my teenagers just, they're going to probably, they're just going to roast me in about two minutes. But um, I will say <laughs> that they're way better teens than I ever was. They're so much more responsible. Um, I, at their age was just completely out of control. And so I'm amazed at the ways that they do show up for their life. And I feel so, I feel so much responsibility to try to help them to, you know, take in everything the world has to offer. And they just want me to go away, you know? And then also, okay, they're the, they're boys. And it's like, they want a medal if they unload the dishwasher, you know, and, and it's done badly. Right. And, <laughs> you know, and loading the dishwasher is like the ultimate if I load the dishwasher once, that's it for the week. Like nobody should bother me, you know? And, and I, I've said to them, can you unload the, can you load the dishwasher? Yeah, that's not going to happen. <laughs> is, is that the hardest chore that, what's the hardest chore that you, that, that, that to try to get them to do? What's the hardest thing? The only two chores they will do is load the dishwasher and unload it. I'm not kidding. <laughs> I may be so, the worst parent, but no. they- you know, no, I can't get them to watch. <laughs> no, that's it. Like, that's my, and that was after, I mean, that was, there was, I can't even tell you, this was pre-pandemic, but there was, when I introduced the idea that they were responsible for cleaning up after dinner, there was a, there was a hysterical breakdown at the level that's really undescribable, you know? Like crying so, and like yelling. Yeah absolute hysteria like it was the it was like I had said you must go out and you know cut your arm off in the garage like that was the level of <laughs> no no 
(laughs) Somehow I have figured out for now, and I am very aware that this is possibly a fleeting blessing that right now I have figured out that if I just praise CJ, my son, who's 14, um, for everything that he does and basically tell him like, oh my gosh, I'm so lucky that you are such a responsible teenager who does stuff. I mean, and I don't make him do that much. Like he takes out the garbage, he walks the dog, which is huge because she, she's barking right now. You can probably hear her. There's nothing I can do about it except chop her head off. And I'm not going to do that. Um, and he does switch over the laundry and he does like little, ta- I just ask him to do small tasks. I try to keep them real short and then I give them several throughout the day. But I just basically, every time I'm like, oh, I'm so lucky. I mean, you're so yeah. mature. <laughs> and for now, it's working. <laughs> it really is. I've also told him that if he does something, not immediately, because even kids have to transition from what they're doing. But I'm like, if he does something pretty quickly after I ask, I will be like, I'm much more likely to let you do what you want. Because if you have an impossible time getting off of apex legends then i'm not going to let you play it for eight hours a day like you do right now but if you can transition from apex legends to doing stuff i will continue to let you do it um yeah probably still not ideal that he's on the computer but this pandemic has has done that i can't even begin to imagine since we don't have children the just just switching just the one thing of switching to remote learning i mean i can't even imagine like just that one thing would be like an upheaval in in the household now how does it work with the little kids because you've got them as well okay well the difference is Okay, so when my older two were young, we didn't watch television. Oh, no, no, no. We did, you know, we baked and we did pretty things. My <laughs> five-year-olds are Minecraft experts, you know? Like, they, they <laughs> could go on YouTube and have their own channels. They're, like, the, we, the, le- the bar has gone so low as to what's <laughs> permissible. I, I cringe when I think of it, you know? And the older two say that I treat the younger two way better than I ever treated them. I'm like, are you out of your mind? When you guys were little, you had my complete attention 24 seven. All I cared about was nurturing you. These guys are an afterthought who may or may not get fed, you know, when I, after I go back, I'm dropping you to football. Like, so they're, um, they are thankfully in preschool. Uh, for three, it's two and a half hours a day. And thank God for that, because they may not ever leave the computer screen. It's like, it really is a challenge all the time. And the problem is that it, it gets, it gets easier to leave them at the screen, because if you pull them away, you've got to give them your undivided attention. And when we had two older kids homeschooling, it was really hard. Like, Nobody, you know, at first I was building marble runs and planning science projects and I gave up, you know, I, I don't know how other parents just quit. It. I mean, it was, it was a gradual, like, I just can't, you know? So, I, I mean, also, I also think, you know, first of all, I only have one and you have four, but right. I did homeschool mine twice at two different points when he was seven and nine. Hmm. And the thing is, I was 
like you're saying, doing all the things, but everything was open. We could go outside. We could go to a playground. We could go mm. to a museum. We went to museums all the time. We went to the beach. Everything was closed in Chicago. The beaches were closed. The parks, you weren't allowed to go on the equipment. There, other than walking in the forest preserve, there was like nothing to do outside of the house. So, um, you know, I still have a rule where it's like, you need to do at least some art. You need to work on your music. You need to walk the dog, ride your bike. Do like, there's a little list of things. If you do those things, then I'm like all out of ideas and you do your homework. Then the rest of the time, you can go on to um, watch Pornhub. I don't know. I'm I'm kidding. (laughs) I'm kidding. But I I hope my kids aren't listening. I don't know if they know about that. (laughs) It's not, it's not a thing. She just made it up. I made it up. I've only heard of it. Honestly, this is true. I only know about it because I do all these open mics with men in their twenties. I I literally wouldn't have known about it otherwise. Right. Anyway. Um, <laughs> well, I think, you know, I think to be, I, I want to just say that I am super proud of how my boys handled COVID because my younger guy was home for a full year of school and he did, he did it, you know, he got through it and he was, he really did a good job. And, uh, my older son had some challenges and he overcame them and he is doing phenomenally now. So I'm really I just want to say that it was, I can't imagine how I would have coped. It was really tough and they both did brilliantly in the end. So, and I feel for those parents who, like when I did say to my kid F school, it was because I really cared. It was really to the point where we had to care for his mental health and well-being more than anything else. And it was such a tough year on so many kids. Like, you know, I think that it's been amazing that they've come through the way they have, you know, so. Absolutely. And kids are amazingly resilient and it sounds like they know they have support at home. So they, yeah. they catch up, they become, you know, they really do. Um, so it, I think it's the, I think it's the right thing to do to, you know, prioritize what they need. Yeah. Yeah. And I've heard, I mean, yeah. And it's hard to remember the beginning of the pandemic now, but like, do you remember when we were all sanitizing our groceries? I don't know if you did that, but I was like <laughs> wiping them down and I was hysterical when anybody left the house or went, you know, my son would go off to Walgreens and I, that was a big bone of contention, but it seems like we've all weathered the storm. And in a lot of ways, I feel like I know them better and I like them more, you know, cause I, got to spend time with them, which we probably wouldn't have done in that quite that way, you know? So it's been really cool. Did you adopt any new activities, any new routines, any new, you know, stuff that maybe you're going to keep around? Uh, We did have a couple of card game nights and we had some game nights in general. We started watching, this is kind of funny. You guys are probably familiar with the show. We started watching Freaks and Geeks. Um, oh yeah so we're it's a great of, show yeah we're enjoying a little bit of that at a time um as far as doing stuff I don't know I mean I don't think we really did do anything amazingly different than before we did a couple of camping things um but yeah I don't know I think we probably just talk more like in general than we did before although my kids will tell you that like 
I make them sit down with us for dinner and it's just like, it's a criminal level of torture for them, you know, <laughs> they absolutely loathe it. So that, I mean, that wasn't pandemic, pandemic specific, but you know, we did, I don't know, we moved a lot of furniture around, like people kept shifting rooms and my <laughs> husband's got an office now where my son's bedroom used to be. So we have no living space anymore because everything's a bedroom or an office, you know, so that's all going to be there for a while. Well, I actually made my son's former bedroom into my office during the pandemic because he moved into the basement, which is a somewhat finished basement. I mean, it's sort of like <laughs> living in the Bates Motel. It's a little bit, uh, you know, it was finished in like the 60s. So his bedroom is a little rough around the edges, but he is far away from us, which he really likes. Yeah. Um, and the thing that I have to keep reminding myself about teenagers is that when I was that age, I never saw my parents. I mean, I was doing theater at school. I was in all these after-school activities. I was with my friends all the time. And if, when I was 15, if you had stuck me for a year with my parents, I, pro I probably would have died. I, I don't know. I don't think I would have survived or they, or they wouldn't have. Yeah. Someone well, you know, Lindsay, I was the, I'm the eighth of nine kids. So it's like, by the time I was 15, it was that sort of like, yeah, who's that again? You know, that sort of haphazard parenting, which in my case was a blessing because the uh, full on parenting was even worse, you know, but I was like, I was drinking. I mean, I was, my kids know this. I was using alcohol, drugs. I was just living like, I was barely present at any time. I was just trying to get out. All I wanted to do was get away 24 seven. So the fact that they enjoy our company or might like sit with us on the sofa and have a chat to me, that feels like a miracle compared to what I was raised with, you know? Wonderful. So. It really is. Mom, yeah. <laughs> oh, one minute, lovey. You know what? I, I have to say, yeah, it's, they are right. Like I, I do, it is really difficult to do anything with two five-year-olds and uh, my, my time here may be limited because. Absolutely. And Torian has a can of spray paint and he's saying, come on, come on. I don't think that's a cry that you can ignore. No, five-year-old comes towards you. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. And Mama. it seems like despite everything, you, you have a family that seems to work pretty well. Um, so congratulations yeah. for that. <laughs> um, you know, you know we're all here. We're all still alive and nobody killed anybody. That's the main, that's what I'll remember. Oh, most there's the spray can. Oh. can. I'm not, I wasn't joking about that. No, <laughs> we didn't think you were. Thank you so okay. much. Thanks all. all right. Bye. Thank you, guys. Take care. Bye-bye. I'm going to check on the paint. Wow, Lindsay. Four <laughs> kids. I, that was legit. Like, that kid was rocking that spray That's paint spray can painted, right yeah. now. Yeah. I I'm, can't imagine. I know you have a teenager. Oh, I have no yeah. teenagers. Our house is nothing I, like that. Our house is... But I, I still can't imagine even having one teenager during, you know, like, it was... This last year was... I mean, it's unprecedented. Like nobody alive has lived through something. Well, maybe not nobody right. has lived through something like this. Well, thank you all for listening this week. And we will be bringing Daphne back with her two teenagers so that they can rebut everything that she said today in a future episode that will focus on parents and teens together during quarantine. Take care, everyone. Bye.